Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Anya Crittenden, a writer at Gay Star News, and I am joined by my two fabulous co-hosts. I'm Hui Chen Bui, a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in D.C. And I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. So welcome to our monthly millennial movie review. And this may be February, but there's been a slew of really great movies coming out this month. It's just been nonstop week after week great films, starting with last week's Black Panther, which, surprise, will be our monthly millennial movie review of this month. Hero. My heart don't skip a beat even when hard times bumps the needle. Mass destruction and mass corruption, the souls of suffering men. Clutching on deaf ears again, rapture's coming. It's all prophecy, and if I gotta be sacrificed for the greater good, then that's what it gotta be. Take my pain me. Black Panther is directed by Ryan Coogler and written by Ryan Coogler and Joe Robert Cole. And it stars Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan, Lupita Nyong'o, Donai Guerrera, Martin Freeman, Daniel Kaluuya, Letitia Wright, Winston Duke, and a slew of other amazingly beautiful and talented black actors um, in Hollywood and elsewhere. It's basically the first majority black um, cast that we have in a major superhero blockbuster, and that is astonishing in and of itself. But it's also a great film. So the movie follows T'Challa, the king of Wakanda, as he rises to the throne in the isolated, technically advanced African nation. But his claim is challenged by a vengeful outsider who was a victim, um, childhood victim of T'Challa's father's mistakes. So that's Black Panther. And uh, I know we're excited to get into this review. So let's start by our first initial impressions. Anya, can you tell us your initial thoughts about Black Panther? I loved it. I just, it is thrilling. It is, it's supremely made. It's fun. It's political. It's deeply felt and thought. It's just the pinnacle of superhero filmmaking. And I'm so excited because I feel like we sort of hit a bit of a lull. And then with Thor Ragnarok and this, I'm like feeling energized again. And... I just, it's fantastic. And it was so much fun to see in theaters, like, with, you know, audiences, with people of color and people dressing up in African clothing and just how exciting that was. It reminded me of, like, seeing Wonder Woman with, like, a primarily female audience and how awesome that felt. Yeah, definitely. This movie felt important. And that's not to say that's, like, the only defining factor of it. It sort of lent to how great of a movie it already was. So, uh, Willoughby, I wanted to know what your thoughts are about Black Panther. I thought it was incredibly well done. I loved how well-paced it was. I think that the ideas that are thrown around are executed really well. Like, the technological ideas. Like, I loved the, just, like, the the great different, in like, wonderful technology that I wasn't expecting. Like, I love the way they did holograms. Um, and I love the way that everything is very much uh, included in this idea of Afrofuturism, of taking, like, um, African symbols and tribes and, um, like, showing, like, the future and, like, technology and, 
like modern stuff like that. So I thought it was really wonderful. Um, I also loved how beautifully shot it was. Rachel Morrison was the DP who was Oscar nominated for Mudbound. She's the first woman to do that. Um, and she also uh, has directed all, uh, d- been the director of photography for all three of Ryan Coogler's films. And she just does wondrous things here. Uh, the All the dream sequences are really amazingly shot and beautiful. And there's so much color and uh it's and just like the way that everything is it's incredibly well i like i said paced and i think the story beats do really well it's a little clunky at the beginning but then it kind of comes together um and to uh bring everything together in a a wonderful way and i love how self-contained the story was this wasn't really about saving the world from a nuclear explosion or you know a huge you know like alien or anything it was a really human story really self-contained um to the nation of wakanda and also to like the characters and that's what i really liked like it wasn't really focused on what thanos is going to be doing in two months like it wasn't and i really appreciated that um it was it's kind of reminded me of like the other like ant-man or spider-man homecoming or like the other marvel movies that have been like more self-contained stories and that are that are obviously connected to the larger narrative but they're not like 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 we've talked about with age of ultron the age of ultron suffers a lot for a lot of reasons but one of them is plot because there it's juggling not only the plot of ultron but also like setting up phase three of the marvel universe and Wakanda, I mean, uh, Black Panther doesn't care about that. It cares about Wakanda. And I think that is incredible. And I love uh, the character performances. Everyone is great. I think Michael B. Jordan is outstanding. I'm definitely going to talk about him. Um, I think that Letitia Wright as Princess Shuri is great. She's like a meme lord. I love it. Um, T'Challa is, of course, uh, he was one of the most interesting characters in Civil War. And I like that he is just roasted on in, by every character in uh, Black Panther. And so I think, I think overall I really loved it. So I was blown away by Black Panther. I didn't expect it to – I think this was the biggest – the movie – superhero movie with the biggest scope both thematically and um, narratively that I've seen Uh, and it's just amazing the way that it was able to balance that um, the action with the sort of weightier, headier themes of race and the African diaspora and uh, political intrigue and family that it does in the way that it does. So Black Panther to me, it just... It, I kept thinking about it for weeks or for a week yeah. after I watched it. It's something that is, is so incredibly thought-provoking and in a way that doesn't threaten to weigh down the rest of the movie. Like sometimes it, a movie can feel like just the sum of its message. But here it it has its message but at the same time. It's an action-driven, um, really kinetic, really compelling film that draws you into this greater uh, message about race and African Americans and Africans and uh, colonialization and westernization uh, into this more intimate family drama and I think it's amazing how well Ryan Coogler does that like I was astonished I think that I remember talking about this a little earlier and saying that Black Panther was vying for my number one spot uh, of the best Marvel movies between it and Winter Soldier, and I think, I think it's edging out Winter Soldier now. I think Black Panther might be 
my number one Marvel movie. It's a movie that just has impacted me so much, uh, especially with its villain, Killmonger, who is just so good. He's so nuanced, and he has his character has so much to say, not only about like African American oppression and how that can twist and distort itself into exactly what its oppressors are, but also about toxic masculinity and uh, that kind of masculinity that's sort of uh, put upon on a lot of African-American males. It's just amazing. And he's so empathetic, but he's so, he says so much, I think, about like our current, um, current top, the current uh, sort of zeitgeist, I guess, our current um, themes that we're dealing with in society. <laughs> Social so, justice issues. Social justice issues, yeah. I don't want to say, like, the social justice issues because, like, <laughs> social justice warrior. But, yeah, it's it's just, it's so good. Um, it's okay to be a social justice warrior. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, I am the uh, the token social justice warrior. It's at, just been, like, co-opted. It to, has like, been co-opted to be an insult. It's like when, uh, like, think about it. The, the evil people in the world call us social justice warriors and call themselves deplorables. Um... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Says a lot, doesn't it? So let's dive into our deeper review of Black Panther. We're going to break it down by plot, themes, characters. Uh, let's go first into my favorite part of the movies, which is the characters. They're, they are so good in this movie. They're I so think good. that it's amazing that we have such a large ensemble and yet each of them shines so brilliantly so much so that they yeah. they threaten to outshine t'challa himself and he's like he's not an uninteresting part of the movie but for some somehow he manages to be almost the least interesting part just because all the other characters are so uh compelling and colorful and they each could have their own spin-off movie i've never seen so many like fleshed out characters in a blockbuster movie as this Yeah, see, I agree and disagree with that. And a lot of people have been talking about that. I completely agree. Every performance is fabulous. Like, every single one. Even the token white guys deliver some pretty decent performances. Andy Serkis especially, who is terrifying in this movie. I feel very Um, represented by Martin. That's how you make use of Andy Serkis in a villain role. It's like, they had him for about the same amount of time that Last Jedi had him in terms of screen time. And he made it count. And that's how he chews up all the scenery. But I just, like, I feel like I gravitated so much more towards T'Challa than other audiences. And I mean, not just because I love heroes. Um, Excuse me. I'm always, I always gravitate towards good guys. Um, but T'Challa reminds me a lot of why I love heroes like Thor and Cap in that, like, their uninterestingness to me is this nuanced exploration of what does it mean to be a genuinely good person in a world that is so morally gray and become a leader. And I love journeys like that. And I think Chadwick Boseman... It's just so magnetic to watch. Um, like, I just, I really love his performances to T'Challa. And I love this idea of this, like, good man becoming a good king. And I love that. But I do agree with you that every character stood out on their own. They could all have their own films. Um, I love that. That, like, I like that T'Challa, like, did support the other characters kind of, like, rising up. He was, like, a supportive role, almost, to a lot of them. Um, But I just, like, 
I want to just give a shout out to Chadwick Boseman because I feel like he's been overshadowed a little bit. I really love him. Oh, for sure. Like, I mean, when I say he's the least interesting, I don't mean to say that he's uninteresting. I think he's no, a no, really compelling character. It's yeah. just that there's so many good there's characters. There's so many good characters. And yeah. what I do, I do agree with you about everything with uh, Black Panther and with the with T'Challa especially in that he uh, really works to support all the other characters and how he's almost like an amalgamation of all the great uh, genuinely good uh, sort of square superheroes that we see in Marvel. Like, he's like Captain square America. Square superheroes are great yeah. for the record. Because he he wants to do good out of out of not, no, with no other, like, underlying motivation. You know, he just aims to be a good king and a good man. And he does that by supporting and raising up others. Like, I remember reading a lot of articles. There's been so many great thing pieces coming out after Black Panther talking about how uh, Chadwick Boseman or T'Challa's T'Challa is sort of this um, ideal of how African-American men should be in that they uh, take power and they take support from, they they take power and they give power to black women, essentially. Yes. Their power stems yes. from their support of black women. I mean, that's the fact that, like, the black women in this film, like, are the heroes. Mm-hmm. And... Shuri and Nakia were the two standouts for me. Um, And it was just so exciting to see that women had their so much agency in this film and drive and commitment, regardless of T'Challa. And they were wonderful. Like, they were the real heroes of this film. Oh, agreed. I mean, everyone's, everyone is just so good in this movie. I, I let's, all right, let's stop. I'm going to stop trying to, like, talk about all the characters and let's focus on one at a time. So, T'Challa first. We've talked a little bit about how he's a genuinely good man, um, how he he draws support and power from black women that that he raises up as well, and how he is sort of the antithesis to Killmonger in terms of like that depiction of toxic masculinity as well, because he's in touch with his emotions and he's in touch with that sort of more sensitive side, and I think that's really fascinating and something that we don't really see in a lot of. Um, male superheroes either it's beautiful it is really beautiful um willoughby do you have anything you want to say about t'challa uh just that i love that he uh struggles with being a good king by being a good man and i think that's a way that and a good hero because like we can't we can't forget that just because he's king he's also the black panther there's i i like the introduction of like the fact that he does have actual superpowers it's not just like the suit um and that he to become king he has to strip those away to um be normal like the rest of them and do like the ritual combat and he and he has to you know best everybody by being himself and not also the black panther yeah he has to like prove himself on his own merits not like rely on the black panther like as a crutch and i think that speaks to a lot of deeper themes too with um the the faults of our fathers, essentially. How, and you know, the, he's dealing with his father's legacy. I just wanted to bring that up because this movie reminds me a lot of the previous Marvel movie, Thor Ragnarok. Um, there's a lot of um, interesting parallels between Thor and Black Panther where they've discovered that their father was not all that they were cracked up to be. Um, and dealing with the issues around that. Um, it's fascinating that um, T'Challa's father was a king and had to deal with um, his brother in like a Scar Mufasa way. Um, but also a interesting development in the fact that Thor was about his realizing his father was a colonizer 
and realize and T'Challa is about like Wakanda is all about never being colonized, but um, in history books, and so it's very fascinating parallels. And like these these two Marvel movies have Marvel's never really touched really well on social issues, and I think it's really fascinating that we, because we're getting more diversity behind the camera, we're telling different stories, including in Thor and also Black Panther about like metaphors and allegories of racism and colonization and uh afrofuturism and all this all the interesting themes are all in t'challa like he is such a complicated figure um because he has to realize like hey maybe we should actually send support to people around the world or stay in our borders so it's really fascinating like 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 Killmonger got to him, and Nakia did. Like the, those ideas about opening the borders and opening like uh, like community centers in Oakland and talking to the United Nations about what Wakanda can do for the world. Like those are themes that both Killmonger. I mean, Killmonger obviously did terrible things to get to those. Yeah, we'll to get to, to him. Those, we'll get to him, but hit, you know, like you know, we said we said with a. Uh, Last week, cool motive still murder from uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, uh, and then Nakia does it in uh, as a spy and as uh, you know helping out refugee women and child soldiers, and she's doing her part to help liberate um, oppressed peoples across the world, and she's coming at it from not a violent perspective, uh, and T'Challa has to take into because at first he was like I'm cool with being you know behind borders and then everyone was like maybe we should do something about it and he's like you know what maybe we should um and i really love the way his journey- way to summarize the movie <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's much more powerful than that um obviously um but i do like that he gets to speak to his father in the afterlife and connect with him on on, on ways he wasn't able to in uh in the when his father was alive, and it's kind of it reminded me of the Lion King when Mufasa was speaking to Simba. So many Lion King parallels. <laughs> There's a lot there. Yeah, even the um, afterlife itself, I feel like, is modeled on the it Lion like, King. Like the Lion yeah. King. Yeah, yeah, it did. And like just speaking to his father, but like obviously with T'Challa and T'Chaka, they they had much uh, longer conversations and could delve deep, dive deep. Mufasa just kind of said, "Remember who you are," and then peaced. Uh, but yeah, no, I really love T'Challa. Can we? So can we? I think we should just address Killmonger. Oh. I feel like he is. I know. I know you have problems. Like an with elephant Kill- in the room. Oh, I do. I have problems with Killmonger. Oh, I mean, like I. Okay, I. I will say I love Killmonger as a character, and I love what he has. What his character, um, both like has to say and what his character says about like the topics of oppression and everything that we that the movie addresses but i will i will say that i i know like a a lot of people are saying like killmonger is right and that's a hashtag that's going along and that's something that is riling up anya but i will say that i do not agree with them and we'll go into that yeah i guess my my question is why are we just talking about killmonger well, Why not. aren't we talking about Nakia? That's my that's my confusion. Is let's not pretend Ryan Coogler did not intend Killmonger to be the villain. Like he is the villain. Let's not forget this. He can make as many good points as he wants, and he's right about a lot of them. 
but he's also very wrong. I mean, and, I think like, that was Michael what B- the movie was saying to begin with, oh, but I agreed. think a lot of people have sort of missed that point. Agreed, and I, I, and I, that's just my problem is that Michael B. Jordan is phenomenal, and he's very compelling, and I mean, that last line Killmonger has about, like, my ancestors knew, like, death was better than bondage, when that he, line. like, chooses to die, basically, is so powerful. Oh, yeah. But... Killmonger is sexist and he's a bigot in a way. Like he has no problem killing black women to further free the oppression of black people, but he'll kill black people. And it he became the thing he de- he became the thing that he despised. He became his own villain. Like mm-hmm. he, like you know, because he well he he joined the military, and he learned all these special forces, you know, and he learned how to you know destroy governments, and he was trained by the United States government to do these things with for this for special opportunity, uh, special ops, and he did a lot of terrible things for the U.S. government, and he brought that to his. See, uh, that's what I think makes him such a great, compelling villain, and definitely I think he that makes him the best Marvel villain yet. Uh, Just because he has so many of those conflicting ideologies within him. And it's something that he never sees himself, but it's what makes him a villain. Because he's incredibly empathetic and he's incredibly easy to connect to because he speaks so loudly to the current um, issues of oppression that a lot of African American uh, people are experiencing today. But at the same time, he's not going through this mission out of some sort of righteous vendetta for all oppressed people. He's that's sort of his his uh reasoning, but it's honestly it's just a it's a level. it's a personal twisted vengeance mission. And that's yeah. why that's how that's where he becomes the villain. It's not out of some sort of righteous it is partly out of righteousness, but it's also mostly because his personal vengeance has twisted twisted him so much that he became uh the the very oppressors that he was trying to overthrow. And that's the thing. Yeah. He's he's reaching for this sort of worldwide hegemony. He's reaching for, for uh, he wants to strike for chaos and um, power over actual justice. And that's where the difference lies. I think, yeah. And I think what it really comes down to is all of your points are correct. He's still the villain. And I think that's what I'm getting bothered by is that people aren't recognizing that that like i think people are still the villain i think people are but like i think he's a tragic villain yeah he's a tragic villain. i think people are taking away from it it just seems that like a lot of the the love and the ardor ardor that's like aimed towards this movie is about how great killmonger is and i don't think that's a way of um flattening his his character or its motivations at all i think that's just like how the discussion has been around him so much that it feels like it's that way. But I do think that people are aware that he is in the wrong for this po- this moment. Like, like you know, the fact that he, as opposed to on the flip side of T'Challa, is taking down black women versus raising them up. Like the fact that he kills his lover and the fact that he chokes uh, the woman the in during the uh, ritual or after the ritual. Um, it's like it's very indicative of how he is just like a an amalgamation of 
all these ideas of toxic black masculinity and how, you know, and for example, in hip hop and how that's is just sort of this sort of performative masculinity in which you can only take down black women in order to raise yourself up. And that's not at all how um, this sort of new order of of black rule should be should be brought around by trampling down upon other black people. It's it's how Nakia, um, it's Nakia's suggestion that they bring aid. That's what T'Challa comes to re- the realization of. Like Killmonger and Nakia both get to him. Killmonger because he is the victim of Wakanda. Essentially, he is what they they rot essentially um, by their isolationism and by their own sort of hubris he is that sort of um he is the ultimate victim and the ultimate villain in a sense and he he makes t'challa realize that they're that he's wrong but then nakia makes him realize he's wrong that in that she just has the correct solution all along that right. it's aid and not oppression killmonger was a victim he was a product of wakanda's failure exactly yeah, yeah. And I think I should clarify that I have zero problem with how the movie handles Killmonger and mostly responses to Killmonger. Like, Ryan Coogler nailed it perfectly. Um, and it's just been my my observation of responses to Killmonger. At the detraction and at the absence of women like Nakia, like, I think that's been my problem, is people respond to Killmonger and his points without also discussing Nakia and the way that he is willing to kill black women, the way people are willing to ignore Nakia and her position. And I think that's most is more my problem is it. (laughs) And maybe it's also me projecting in just the way that women are continually ignored and overlooked. And obviously Ryan Cooler didn't do that. Like Nakia in the end was the one who like, really triumphed and all the women in this film did but i have just found it a little unnerving the way that it plays into what killmonger was saying and that it's almost like it's a reflection of what he how he was represented in that like naki is left out of the conversation yeah i mean i can see how people have a really complicated reaction towards killmonger because he, in a sense, is the sort of poster boy for all of the rage and all the frustration that yeah. Black Americans are dealing with now. And I know a lot of people have come away with the reaction after Black Panther that this was a movie that was sort of attempting to negate Black Lives Matter and all the uh, progress that has been made with that and say that, mm-hmm. no, you're in the wrong for protesting or you're in the wrong for uh, seeking justice against police violence. But I don't think that's the case at all. I think that maybe no, like a surface level reading of it because in a sense, like this African-American man who was preaching all of these ideas about um, overthrowing the corrupt government and um, seeking, right, seeking justice for the press feels like it's speaking to that larger sort of militant idea of like, you know, of black lives matter, but it's not the case at all. That's what the movie's trying to say. Yeah. I yes. completely agree. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Nakia is the harder stance to take, honestly, mm-hmm. like it's really easy to tap into your emotions that Killmonger has and react to that. You know, it's easy to understand his anger and Nakia and her diplomacy. That is the harder route. Mm-hmm. 
But it's the right route. Let's talk about Nakia for a little bit. I love her. She's so great. And I'm just very happy to see Lupita Nyong'o in a role that she so is so perfectly suited towards her. Um, so Nakia is, uh, like Willoughby was saying, uh, a spy and a war dog of Wakanda, which is the people that they place throughout the globe, uh, sort of um, to keep in tr- to keep track, I guess, of all the current state of politics and everything. And she's also T'Challa's ex-girlfriend, but she refuses to stay by his side because she feels like she could do so much more by being on the ground and saving oppressed women and helping them personally as much as she can. And that is the message that gets through through T'Challa at the end because he's of the opinion that they should stick by tradition uh, and stick by the isolationist policies that Wakanda has kept for hundreds of years which ends up being, you know, the wrong decision. And the movie gets into that, but we'll get into that later. But yeah, Nakia is so great. She's just so incredibly strong and nuanced. And I love that everything that about her sort of lends to that. Her outfits, her fighting style, um, her really, just her, everything about her, essentially. And she's, it's, yeah. she's so worldly, too, which I really like. She is. I love that at the start of the film, T'Challa, our hero, our protagonist, like, fucks up her mission. Mm-hmm. And it's like, thanks, T'Challa. Like, Plus the first thing he says to her is, hi. <laughs> so adorable. It was really cute. <laughs> it was. But I just love that she's like, I got this. Like, what are you doing, boy? Like, yeah. mm-mm. He thought he was being the hero and coming down and saving her and saving everybody else. And she was like, you messed up my mission. She's like, no, that is not what you did. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. Like, and I love that what you were saying, Willie, like he comes home and he's just like roasted by literally every woman in Wakanda. It's Including so great. Shuri, who I also want to talk about next. I love Shuri so much. She's I think so great. She's, she's the big so breakout with, outside. She's from in the tune with the memes. Yes. Yeah, she's easily the standout of the film, I think. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think that she's easily the breakout character aside from Killmonger. Um, and she's just, she's so funny and she's so bright and vivacious. And uh, Letitia Wright just does such a great job with her. And I love that she is never afraid to not only roast T'Challa, but also speak towards, like, she, she for example, refers to Martin Freeman's character, uh, Everett Ross, as a colonizer. And, uh, right. It's, it's so Another funny. Another sad white boy to, to fix. Mm-hmm. Like, and when they're at, like, the ceremony, like, the ritual of, like, the fighting ritual and stuff, and she's like, this course it's uncomfortable. Like, can we just go home now? Like, she, she's so frank. But, like, that frankness and that humor she has never undercuts the fact that, like, she loves her country and she loves her brother. Like, it's easy like a surface level reading is like she's like comic relief and she doesn't take things as seriously but it's very clear that she is so multifaceted that she can be both humorous and very candid and shoot the shit but also at the same time it's very serious about her work and her passion with technology and saving Wakanda and doing the right thing and that's what I love about her is that she's not one or the other she is all of these things exactly you know what she She's uh, she's better. She's like uh, she has all the qualities of Tony Stark, but uh, without like the self obsessive nature. None of the male angst. Exactly. She needs to be in Infinity War and meet Tony and be like, "Hello, I am smarter than you." Right. Like, Here's she, how she and Peter like will come up and be like, "Look, we have all these things that we did that without you," and he'll be like, 
I'm proud and also demolished. <laughs> oh, she's definitely, I think it's canonical that she's the smartest person in the world. Oh, yeah. than Tony, which I love. And Same. I'm hoping in the future, like after the events of Infinity War and Avengers 4 and, um, it splits apart everything we know about Marvel MCU and we possibly won't have Iron Man coming back or Tony Stark coming back. I hope that maybe this is leading her to her becoming Ironheart, who is... I was thinking the same thing, mm-hmm. Riri Williams. Riri Williams is in the comics, the next Iron Man. She renames herself Ironheart and she's like the smartest uh, person in the world aside from Tony Stark and she builds her own Iron Man suit and she's also like a black teenage girl. Um, and while, you know, it's possible they could introduce Ruby Williams in the MCU. I get the feeling they'll, tr- they'll streamline it maybe, and they might mm-hmm. just make Shuri the next Ironheart, which I would which love. Which is, it's a much better way of doing it for, like, mass movie audiences. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, um, and I want to see Letitia Wright, like, shine in, like, a, a growing movie. heroic role. Yes. Because I, th- I definitely think that even though she is such a complex character, she does have her own sort of, you know, flaws in terms of she doesn't quite take things seriously. And I could see that mm-hmm. being really tackled well in a solo film. Honestly, like every character should have their own solo film. I just want a spinoff movie for every character in Black they Panther. They really should. Um, but yeah, I just I love her. And um, uh, let's move on to the next character, uh, which is. I think those are the big ones I want to talk about, actually. I mean, Danae... Um, oh, Danae Gurira, of course. Oko- she is Okoye. wonderful. She's so powerful. The second Daniel Kaluuya's character is like, you would kill me, my love. And she's like, yeah. Yeah, I would, actually. And that's what stops the fight. It's incredible. I'm just like, yes! It's black women again. Saving exactly. us. Mm-hmm. Black women saving us all the time. In elections, in Wakanda everywhere yeah oh she's so good just i i can i incredibly love her character and how she's the general too of the dora milage and how she is just so she's not like just your just a bodyguard either she has her own really vibrant really like um contrarian almost personality she's always also ribbing with with t'challa as well and uh out of regard for his own personal safety but also because she's probably grown up with him and take watch over him her entire her entire life and i love that trio that they have of t'challa okoye and and nakia they're so good together um and i like that like I like that when Eric Killmonger first assumes the throne, when he beats T'Challa, like, I like that she sticks by him, because she's, like, she's very much just, like, I am loyal to the throne, and I am loyal to Wakanda above all, Mm -hmm. and then that's challenged by, should you still be loyal if your leader is corrupt and and not doing right by your country? Like, Mm -hmm. do you eventually be like, oh, my country is greater than the throne, and so I like that internal struggle that she has. And I like, obviously, the choices she makes. Everyone has such a great filling arc. It's so good. Did you guys like M'Baku? Because I feel like he was kind of a, a fun standout for people, too. Like, I I, he got a, a lot. lot of energy in our audience. I like that he was kind of like, I mean, because like, I only know, I know Daniel Kaluuya from Get Out and also the one episode of Black Mirror. So it was really interesting to see him kind of do something different, which... Oh, no, um, M'Baku was... Um, the uh, vegetarian leader of oh, the... that's right. Yeah, yeah. Daniel Kaluuya was uh, Wakabi? Yeah, he Wakabi. was Wakabi. Okay, okay. So M'Baku oh, yeah, was played by confused. Winston Duke. And that's yeah. right. Oh, yeah, no, he was great. Um, he, oh, was yeah, he was hilarious. He was hilarious. Um, 
My bad. I got those names. No, it's fine. It's a well. Kabi's also great, and Daniel Kaluuya is also great. Yeah, like a lot of the supporting characters, I feel like in lesser hands, they could be archetypes. Mbaku, for example, even Shuri, uh, definitely uh, Wakabi. But they are so fleshed out and they have such interesting motivations, each of them colliding with their own. And it shows it shows a greater picture of Wakanda as well, that they're not you know, a unified country. They have their own tribal concerns and tribal conflicts, which is also very true and reflective of Africa itself, too. Um, so I, I like that a lot. M- M'Baku, I was like, yeah. M'Baku is, is so funny as well. He has he has one of the best jokes of the movie. The Just kidding, we're vegetarians part. And he also gets the yes, part where he so gets to good. bark Martin Freeman silent, which is so funny. It, that also got a big reaction from my audience, too. Everyone was just applauding. And he's, he's good, too, because he has more of an arc than you would expect for just, like, a small supporting role. Because he starts off as the sort of antagonistic um, outside tribe from Wakanda and ends up being... Um, T'Challa's greatest ally just because you know he feels like he owes him and for his life and that is something that's incredibly noble I think he's a noble um he's he's at first seen as incredibly like almost primitive and wild but he has like this big noble heart to him and that's what I really like yeah totally Mm -hmm. um for wrapping up characters I need to just mention real quick me being me I'm going to talk about a white person for a second. That's and I right. just need to say I love my white wolf. Oh, I knew. I thought you were talking about Martin Freeman for a second. No. I was like, where are we going here? Oh, my God. No, the most I mean, important white character in this film, you guys, is not Martin Freeman. It's not Andy Serkis. It is my child, Sebastian Stan, as my other child, James Buchanan Bucky <laughs> Barnes. Sergeant. James Buchanan and Bucky Barnes. Yes. My white wolf. Um, I am glad that he had a little, like, he had that extra scene at the end of the end credits. Um, I was wondering if they were going to, like, mention, like, they mentioned him, but, like, I was wondering if we're going to see him. And he clearly sets up, like, Infinity War. Um, But as a big, as as a big Cap and Bucky fan, and, like, that whole side of the Marvel world, like, seeing Bucky doing okay with Shuri. All the kids calling him White Wolf. I was just very happy. pretty cute. I, I did like how isolated Black Panther was from the rest of the Marvel Pantheon. Agreed. But I do yes. like that end credits scene. It like nicely shows what's he's, what he's up to at the same time as not interrupting the flow of the movie. And exactly. Did you guys spot any chemistry between Bucky and Shuri? There's like I, a spark there. She's I did. I okay so yes HD I absolutely got that chemistry I thought it was like bleeding off the screen (laughs) on the other hand he's a (laughs) hundred on the other hand as a stucky shipper I cannot get on board with that um but also I I yeah I think Sherry's a little too young yes yes Um, I know but oh no I totally got the chemistry yeah I was like they're flirting oh they were totally flirting (laughs) absolutely I missed that <laughs> oh, oh no! I got it. I was like, Sherry's like mm, this white boy. I need to fix. And she was like flirting with him, and I was like, All right, me too, Sherry, me too. I thought that was just being funny. Nope, nope. Oh no! It was oh, no, hardcore Willoughby. flirting, Willoughby. Anyways, yeah, I, that, that begs the question: What did I miss my entire life? <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the plot of this movie, which is something that I think works 
and is probably some part of the weakest parts of the film. Um, I think in terms of Marvel movies and like the third act problem, it does its best, like in that pantheon, but it does have a bit of clunky exposition at the beginning. So let's dive into that. Uh, Anya, what are your thoughts about the plot? I mean, agreed. I feel like I have less thoughts on the plot because of what you're saying. Like, it's kind of the weakest element. It is a bit clunky. And the characters just shone so brightly for me that, like, I sort of glossed over the plot almost. Like, mm-hmm. I, I recognized that it was, like, weaker. But, like, so I just kind of put it out of my mind and was then just like, ah, oh, the characters. So I feel like the plot didn't really even, like, make an impression on me so much because it was... You know, it had its it had some similar flaws to superhero movies of the past, and but the characters They're were so good. good that it yeah yeah. I mean, I thought like I the beginning was a little clunky for me, and like Sterling K. Brown is so wonderful, and I love him, but it just it didn't quite make the impact that like it was necessary context. But it just didn't, like, the other parts of the movie just definitely shown more. I will say, did you realize that the man narrating the history of Wakanda at the beginning was Sterling K. Brown's character? To oh, I talking didn't. To Eric. I thought it was... Oh, I... No, I, 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 I learned it later, and I was like, that actually makes it a lot more poignant. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. That's true, because he never calls him T'Challa. No, it's to, uh, it's to Eric. It's to Killmonger. Oh, man, I love that so much more now. That kind of changes everything, because I thought it was um, King T'Chaka to T'Challa. That's what I thought in Shmi, too. About the history of uh, Wakanda, which I thought was really well done. Mm -hmm. I really love that that opening. Oh, the animation was gorgeous. It was. Yeah, like, I thought that was, like, a quick, easy way of, like, setting up Wakanda as, like, this is what you need to know about, you know, the basic simple facts of Wakanda. Yeah. Um, For me, it started the movie off a little sluggishly because I'm always a little bit wary when a movie starts off with, like, exposition. Here's the history of the world. But I do think knowing after the fact that it was, uh, I can't remember Sterling K. Brown's character, uh, Najobu? Najobu. Najobu. That it was Najobu narrating to Eric makes it just all the more poignant and lends it another... layer of gra- of of poignancy so i like that a lot um but yeah it's it stumbles a little bit at the beginning i will say that that sort of detour to south korea feels like it it fit and it kind of fit in the context of the story but it feels like it was almost outside of yeah. the movie's narrative. Like Ryan Coogler was trying to have his cake and eat it too by doing like a James Bond sequence. Yeah. And like the James Bond sequence is cool. I like the casino fight scene a lot. It's one of my favorite parts of the movie. But it could have been cut out. And I feel like it definitely was almost a sort of corporate move in terms of just like South Korea trying to reach the Asian market, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's what kind of it would it kind of felt like that to me although i like the sort of international global scope that it puts black panther on and nakia cuz she knows korean mhm it looks like yeah it's fun but it's something that could have definitely been cut out if they wanted something a little bit more streamlined yeah but, i think um, it would have been interesting if it was like the first time that killmonger and like i mean he like they don't interact until he gets to wakanda or, or like right before think in Seoul. I can't remember, like, in the daytime. But, like, it would have been interesting if, like, Killmonger was just doing his own thing and, like, 
they never meet until Wakanda. Like, fully. You know? Mm, like, if I, he's... I, like, I think their meeting beforehand works. I think it's just... I think there's too many... As much as, like, any circus in the role, I think that they had too many claw sort of subplots at the beginning. They could have... Mm basically combined the Saul Casino and the museum robbery into one mm. yeah, into like yeah, one yeah. big scene and had that sort of meeting. It would have been much more effective, I think, at the beginning. Um, and um, Although I do love the museum scene. I think that's really I, great. Yeah, I think the museum big scene is good. I just think that they should have they could have cut out the ca- casino and just have Black uh, T'Challa meet them there, like try to grab uh, Claw there. At the casino or at the... No, at the museum. At the museum. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the plot, like, the beginning is a little bit clunky, and I think the last battle scene uh, has, is lacking a little bit. Um, I think Which that last battle the last, about? the big battle between all the tribes, and then um, T'Challa and Killmonger on the Underground Railroad. I liked, it's a good battle scene, and it definitely is better than most Marvel third acts, because it's not, like, just a bunch of CGI robots being yeah. picked out. And But I think that the emotional, um, emotional plot like big battle for me was the one-on-one scenes that's where i found like the most potent it it was most potent emotionally you're supposed to yeah like you're supposed to realize that the 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 battle is futile like Mm -hmm. it shouldn't have happened like 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 wakandas are fighting each other oh yeah yeah no i mean like I think that the first battle scene that we seen that we see or the fight scene we see between T'Challa and Killmonger has a lot more emotional resonancy for me than the big battle scene that we see at the end between them uh in the big like the big in the underground railroad yeah in the underground railroad and everything like that but like that's just me and I think that like it was still in terms of like all Marvel uh third acts it's still much much better one than of the those better yeah ones. one of the better yeah. ones yeah um I will say in terms of like studio interference I am upset that once again a like queer subplot was cut i am so annoyed that it happened in thor and this one yeah i'm just like why why can't we have our representation marvel i don't know those whenever those reports come out after the fact it always kind of stinks of me of them trying to make a grasp at some sort of representation and just being like we almost had it that you should be happy with it it's like like, it's like weird yeah And and i'm like either do it or don't tell us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because this just makes you look so bad. It's the Beauty and the Beast LeFou, like, I, yeah. Make, or, but also, that's kind of the opposite. They were trying to make a big deal of it, but then it wasn't. Yeah, that one kind of annoyed me because that felt like they're just patting themselves on the back for a really minor scene. So. Yeah. So I think that wraps up our discussion on the plot, which is fairly minimal because of the plot itself. Even though I was very impressed with how much they juggled, they were able to juggle uh, political intrigue with global action scenes and uh, a more larger themes about race and um, oppression. It was the weaker part of the movie. But speaking of larger themes, let's go into the themes of Black Panther, of which there are many. And we many. touched on them a little bit, but um, it's it's just... This movie is so powerful because of its themes, and it's something that really resonates with you because it speaks so eloquently towards um, black oppression and colonization and what and how Wakanda is uh, this ideal fantasy of what Africa would be like if it did not have to deal with colonization. It's um, And it's amazing that, like, it has... It's, 
it juggles that as well as current modern day issues of African-American oppression. So let's dive into it. Let's get all college think piece, think PC. Anya, what, um, what do you have to say about like the themes of Black Panther? Um, I mean, similar to what you were touching on um, and what we've touched on before, just the idea of um, isolationism and oppression. Um, and, you know, it's something that I like, I think about a lot, um, especially as like a history major, I think about the way that countries interact with one another and like, do you owe anything to like the world and helping other countries, you know, like what is that relationship? And, um, it always makes me think of the U S in world war two and how we got in too late. And like, is there a, just a moral obligation to just help your fellow man? Um, and I really liked how they explored that um, and why Nakia really stood out to me in that she just wanted to help people because helping people is the right thing to do. And it gave me a lot of hope. And <laughs> I have to say also, just as a side note, the MLK and Malcolm X like parallels jumped out immediately to oh, me. Yeah. Those were like, yeah, I was like, oh, okay. They're not even like trying to yeah, hide this. There's a really great piece on the Atlantic. Uh, I'll, we can post it in our uh, blog post later about how Killmonger is sort of a, a representation of the Black Panther Party and its sort of degradation from its intense ideals into being something that's very violent and militant um, and basically its own I oppression oppressors essentially yeah so uh i love that mlk malcolm x parallels between t'challa and um killmonger and how that really resonates because you know or is it between nakia and killmonger or it is nakia and killmonger that could be because t'challa is kind of just like <laughs> yeah he's like he's I, just, I i i'm not i don't have an opinion yet yeah. like i need to be influenced by you guys so he's like i'm still trying to be a good man yeah he's yeah. just the sounding board for both of them for these two yeah. idealists which is really interesting i mean it's also something that we've seen in, in magneto and um and Charles Xavier, Xavier too, yeah. that, that constant idea of, uh, of, um, sort of unification, uh, of all these, like, of all black people, of all, of all people who are outsiders and trying to overthrow a government, or if it's about diplomacy and communication and coordination. And that's something that's much harder to do. Although I want to talk about a little bit about isolation, um, isolationism, which is a really interesting thing, concept that this movie gets into, in that, Wakanda would not exist as it is today, fictionally, without its isolationism. And it's so interesting to me that it's this African country that's extremely advanced um, technologically and otherwise. And um, it has like this incredibly valuable resource. And that's something that a lot, of, a lot of African countries have had to deal with in that they have really valuable resources like oil. And that in turn, and that in turn makes them uh, vulnerable to exploitation. And if Wakanda did not have that policy of isolationism, then they would have been equally um, vulnerable to the exploitation. And while, but at the same time, it the movie delves into the dangers of isolationism today in that like maybe this policy worked in the past, but we're so far advanced that it does not make sense that we just hoard this all for ourselves. And that it help. It's more important um, to 
spread the wealth rather than just to hoard it and maintain our illusion of a better future because we're the only ones who are living in that future. That's so interesting to me. And it's only the one of the many themes that Black Panther gets into. It's just like, we talked a little bit about it with Killmonger and how he represents both the Black Panther Party and uh, African-American oppression and righteousness versus toxic masculinity. And that's, it's just like, I could talk for days about Black Panther. I don't want this podcast to be two hours long, though, but let's, Willoughby, you haven't talked a little about this, but uh, what do you have to say about some of the, uh, the themes that are flowing through Black Panther? I like them. Um, I, you guys said a lot. I don't really want to repeat everything, but um, I do. I, I like the idea. It's an, a very it delves into a very interesting idea of like Wakanda what could have been there and possibly stopped slavery from happening like they they touch on that and i and i find that a very like interesting subject that i I think it's one of the heaviest things that marvel's ever tried to grapple is like this the system of oppression that you know america had america has um and that you know wakanda wasn't there for the people who became slaves and it was it's a they try to grapple with it they try to reckon with it um and i think t'challa is trying to now almost make up for that with opening the community centers and uh buying the buildings that are around in oakland that are like doomed to be destroyed and i find you know like he's doing his best to kind of make up for the failures of wakanda's past of Mm -hmm. isolationism where he now realizes that it's they should have it, it, it isolationism was a double-edged sword because if they weren't isolationist HT like you said they could have been colonized they could have been exploited but if they do have if they did have the advanced technology they could have you know helped you know done things to protect Africans from being enslaved yeah possibly so it's a really interesting thing that they definitely begin to to, to grapple it and reckon with it um and I found, you know, T'Challa's, comp- you know, relationship with the throne and with the and with his kingdom to be very fascinating because he's yeah. like, maybe things should change now. Yeah, <sighs> my favorite scene of T'Challa grappling with that was when he was in the the afterlife scene. Yeah. I don't really had know how to describe it, but it's um, the afterlife, the, the ancestral afterlife, plane. yeah, the ancestral plane. Um, after he was almost killed, and he talks to his um, his father and the rest of his ancestors, and he oh, yells he at them, so mad. "You were wrong." And that was such a powerful moment for me. And I really love that. And like that's something that they like it leads to him grappling with the with that double edged sword that is isolationism. And it's this movie is it's just it's so good. <laughs> Yeah. So good. Um, and I do need to say, like, Marvel is flawed. Mm-hmm. We all know this. Like, they are not perfect. They have had their shortcomings. Um, but I appreciate since day one, they haven't been afraid to explore social issues. Oh, yeah. Um, not every movie does it. But, like, I mean, right off the bat, Iron Man started with, like, arms dealing and warmongering and grappling with that as an ethical and moral issue and you know captain america winter soldier dealt with like a surveillance state and And Thor ragnarok dealt with you know refugees and things like that um and so and iron man 3 dealt so well with ptsd 
And so I appreciate that, like, while some movies do it less, like Ant-Man, say, you know. Has no social issues. (laughs) Which is fine, because it's fun, and Paul Rudd is great, and I could watch him for hours. Yeah. But, like, not every movie needs to do it, but I appreciate that, like, it's not like Marvel, like, just got the idea to, like, explore oh, definitely, complex, yeah. deeper but, issues. And I, mean, I appreciate that. But this is the first time they're they're dealing with it, social justice issues re- resolving people of color. Um, well, yeah. Because yeah. I feel like most of the time it's been these broader political themes of, of the surveillance state, of war profiteering. And yeah. this is kind of, like... It's never almost... felt quite so timely as mm-hmm. it does now. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. So, I mean, yeah, and I think all the themes that run through Black Panther are, are great. Um, we're kind of running late, so I don't want to talk too much more. Um, so why don't we wrap up? Yeah, let's let's wrap up our review of Black Panther. Yeah, could have talked for a long time about this. But um, why don't you guys give your uh, rating out of five stars for what Black Panther would be? Anya, you go first. Five. Willoughby. Oh, yeah, five. Oh, man. I'm giving it a 4.5, actually. What? Because of the the issues with the plot. Yeah. I look past that. Yeah, I can look past that. (laughs) I mean, like, it's funny because I've been raving about Black Panther, but for me, I gave it a 4.5, but yeah. Remember when I gave a 4.5 because Paddington 2 had human rights, bear rights issues? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I couldn't get past him going to human jail. That makes no sense, I, Willoughby. I don't think I convinced HT to give this a five like I did for Paddington because she HT does, have, does legitimate have legitimate issues. issues. I have legitimate issues, issues with it. Yeah. And Paddington I, 2 didn't have the same plot no. issues. It's true. <laughs> Paddington 2 is a perfect movie. It so. is a perfect movie. And like that's the thing is I agree Black Panther has some plot issues, but I'm just like, oh, it's so it's I'm like just so it's not it. Yeah. Five. So, <laughs> The Millennia Falcon gives Black Panther 4.8 out of 5 stars. We'll say 5. We'll round up. <laughs> I think this and Paddington 2 get the same um, They do. Same rating. Do. Paddington 2 and Black Panther are equally perfect. Equally perfect 2018 movies. is off to a really good start. And yeah. as, as we'll see with next week, we'll talk about Annihilation amongst other hard science fiction movies. Yeah. The preview for you. We're going to dive into like 2001 and Arrival and Annihilation and all these hard sci-fi movies that um, people love and cerebral and all that. But before that, let's get move on to the last segment of our episode this week. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. Willoughby, why don't you start us off this week? What do you really so, like? Because we're going to talk about Annihilation next week, I won't make it my really like, but it kind of, it's my pop culture really like. But what I'm really liking this week is that I got a cat. Ah, I have a cat. So pure and precious. Yes, he's eight years old, he's 22 pounds, and his name is, uh, I believe, Gandalf. I believe we went with Gandalf. Um, my girlfriend uh, is on his on, on her way home with the cat right now. In fact, I think she's actually home with the cat. The cat's waiting for me uh, in the living room right now. Um, so but, uh, we met him yesterday at the adoption shelter, and uh, he's just a really good good boy. Good boy. Um, he's, uh, we, we went he's into, a like... a hungry boy, too. He, he is a very hungry boy. Um, he's a good we went cat into, friend. 
I hope so. Um, we went to like the meet and greet room, so like we can actually like pet him and talk to him, you know, see him. And he wasn't. I mean, he was a little bit of an escape artist. He tried to leave when the door opened, <laughs> but he did like walk around and he, and we, he let us pet him. So I'm very excited to have a cat, and so is my girlfriend. We've been talking about it all weekend. We went yesterday to the shelter to adopt, and today we picked him up. So that's amazing. You guys need to check out Willoughby's Instagram because he is like killing the domestic life he has like his own apartment the decorations are so great he like made homemade pizza he has a cat now it's like willoughby's just like killing it as an adult king of domesticity yeah so that's that's what that's my new my update i really like anya what's your really like this week i have a question for you guys i have an answer for you did you guys know that I love Rachel McAdams. I had no idea. Yes, I, I did. never knew. I very much did. I know. I kind of try and keep it under wraps. Um, <laughs> so while we're all seeing, you know, Black Panther for third, fourth, fifth times, which we should go see it multiple times, give it all your money. It's made over four hundred million dollars. Yeah, you make it. Give it more. Give it more money. But if one day you're like, all right, instead of a sixth time, I'll do the sixth time tomorrow. You guys should check out the movie Game Night. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and, you know, my recommendation, and I really like, really is just Rachel McAdams. Like, I'm excited for this to be her year between this and disobedience, and I'm just, like, so pumped for her. But Game Night's a really fun movie. It is a bonkers, off-the-wall, kinetic energy comedy, and it's fun, and Rachel McAdams is in it, and she's so good. And I just... I just really like Rachel McAdams, you guys. Also, I just found out that she might possibly be pregnant. What? Yeah. Wait, who is she dating? I don't know. To? No, she's not married. Last time, because like I remember when she broke up with Michael Sheen, and I haven't heard about a relationship since. But then in the article I was reading about her being pregnant, they were talking about how she might be with some screenwriter, I think. So I don't know. Or it could be a Mindy Kaling situation. It could be. But like... I'm excited. I'm like, little more, more Rachel McAdams DNA in the world. I thought you were going to say more Rachel happy. McAdams in the world. Is she cloning herself? <laughs> I mean, I would not complain about that. Um, this is a very, I've been so like, well-spoken this whole episode, and now I get to Rachel McAdams and I become like a mess. Um, but she's beautiful. She's talented. Joshua Axelrod. <laughs> Um, and she can do it all. She got that Oscar nomination for Spotlight, and now she's in this crazy comedy, and it's fantastic. So go see it. Have some fun. Just I've actually heard enjoy yourself. I've heard good things about Game Night. So everyone goes into it. Everyone's going in with it. I keep seeing tweets that people are like, "I guess I'm seeing Game Night tonight." Whatever, and then they come out going, "Oh man, this movie was great." What have I been saying since the trailer, folks? All right. You're right. You're right, Anya. I feel so... It's so weird when people are, like, cynical when they go into a movie and they're, like... They come out going, like, well, that really blew my expectations. I was like, have higher expectations. Sometimes having low expectations can be a good experience. It can be helpful. But I do um, feel like there's an attitude on Twitter of, like, mm-hmm. being cynical about a film. Mm-hmm. Before also, seeing Twitter, it. in general, can be just, like, a unpleasant place sometimes. Yes. Yeah. All right, so my I really like for this week is a little Netflix series called Kantaro, the Sweet Tooth Salary Man. 
You never heard of it? I haven't no, heard of it what until. Is this? <laughs> I had heard. I hadn't heard of it until I started writing. This is kind of a plug for my new column that I'm writing for Slash Film. It's called Pop Culture Imports, in which I highlight international TV shows or movies. So, in the research for this column I'm writing. I stumbled upon this Japanese comedy series called Kantaro, the Sweet Tooth Salary Man, and uh, it's hilarious, folks. It's the is weirdest it a, shit I've ever seen, and I love it. Is it, it a f- narrative show or a, like a reality show? No, or? it's a it's a it's a fictional drama. It's based off a of mm. manga of the same name, and it's about a a salary man, a, just like a a regular old salesman who. Um, is obsessed with dessert and sweets and uh, on the surface he's like the stoic character who looks like he's incredibly serious but then when he goes to a dessert shop which he always does every afternoon when he plays hooky from work he will take a bite of a dessert make an orgasm face and then emerge into this strange fantasy world where he uh, gains like a melon or a sugar cube for a head and starts just like hyperbolically extolling the virtues of dessert and uh describing what? oh like gushers yeah it's like a gushers commercial <laughs> except you know a feature not feature like but like an actual series of it is it animated it's real life that's which is what makes oh it so God. much crazier i was gonna say is this an anime <laughs> so no. have, it's it's a crazy it's such a fun drama and it's so weird um at one point he like starts crossing swords with this girl who is like the princess of sweets or something in one of his fantasies of course and then he's like i win i am the bean man it's just it's so odd what? <laughs> and he just like he's always hyperlopolically blogging about all of his sweets too and um it's actually all the dessert shops that he visits are real shops in tokyo and he goes into like the history and like the the ingredients of all these these desserts so they range from um japanese desserts like um anmatsu to something like an english parfait so it's like a big range of stuff and it's a really interesting look at just like the dessert scene in tokyo but also just like a very weird really enjoyable show i'm kind of addicted to it that's so amazing. I I recommend it. It's just it's half hour episodes. It's very weird and odd, but it's good to watch on just like if you have nothing else to see or if you're craving something sweet. <laughs> well, you just gave me well, a blank look. <laughs> thank you for that recommendation, HT. I am I really want to give that a try now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's our episode. If you guys have any thoughts on Black Panther or new pets or Kantaro or game night come chat with us and where can they do that willoughby you can find us on facebook if you search for us there we're also on twitter at falcon podcast our blog is millennial falcon podcast.wordpress.com you can listen to us on soundcloud and listen to us and rate review subscribe on itunes and google play okay and where can they find you guys you can find me at htranbui on twitter you can find me at anya crittenton on twitter and you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.